Does your mouth ever get angry with you for putting those things in it? Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the advice. Carpe diem. Seize the day. The comebacks. Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer. (laughs) And the technology. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Spearsy. And Brad in LA. And this week we continue with our series on crazy covers of 80s classics. Stuck in the 80s is now listener-supported via Patreon. You can find out more at patreon.com slash stuckinthe80spodcast. You can also find our podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and via our website at www.sit80s.com. <laughs> I like it. You're in the right mood. Punchy, that's for sure. Definitely punchy. I, I don't I don't know if I'm punchy or what. It's, it's been forever since we recorded a podcast, it seems like. But, but, but I guess in reality, it's only been two weeks. It does seem like a long time. I was just thinking, gosh, I haven't talked to Steve in a long time because we talk on the computer, which is, you know, we type at each other. Hello, computer. Just use the keyboard. The keyboard. How quaint. It's not the same, man. How's it going? It's going okay. It's just, I don't know. I start, I think I think that the whole work from home, quarantine, uh, the world's falling apart outside the window is really starting to get to me. Strange game. The only winning move is not to play. <laughs> I well, yeah, we we all have to push through that, uh, push through those barriers when they come up. We just hit 150 days since the, we returned from the cruise a couple days. Ago. Only a, I swear to God, it feels like 450. We're getting there, but not quite yet. <laughs> anyway, was it before we left on the cruise? After we got back on the cruise? I I don't know. At some point in time, we time recorded. has no meaning to us anymore. People, <laughs> it time doesn't. means nothing. Go back to then. When? Now. Now? Now. I can't. Why? We missed it. When? Just now. Plus, what we've kind of found out through doing some of our recent Zoom uh, happy hours and some of our Facebook live chats is that some people are still you know, listening to the podcast for the first time. I talked to someone this last week who he's, he's only just gotten through the first 70 episodes. <laughs> so by the time he gets to this one, you know, we'll all be dead. <laughs> He's going to be like, Brad in L.A.? Who's who's this Johnny-come-lately Brad in L.A.? So you never know what's going to happen. But to get back to the point, which I won't have many of this this week, I'm telling you right now. I feel very unfocused. I feel um, very fragile, like I'm hanging from a string. But we're going to get through it anyway because – We're going to pull you back from the precipice. Yeah. A month or so ago, we did a show on crazy covers – of songs that we loved in the 80s. And we, we thought it was kind of fun, and we picked five or six songs. And we asked you, the listeners, our friends, our family, hey, send us some of your suggestions. And we, we expected to get two or three, but what we probably got was three or four Two dozen. or three hundred. <laughs> yeah. We got enough to spin off a whole other podcast, which right. we're not going to do, but we could. Lately, we haven't been very good about even doing our own. I think we'll, we'll stick to just doing this one. So, yeah, let's let's stay on target here, right? Stay on target. We're too close. Stay on target. Yeah. <laughs> so, here's what we're going to try to do today. Five crazy covers, and then we have some some fun letters. We have some fun seggies. Voluminous. Things could venture out into left field at any given moment just bear with us if it happens and um i switched over to wild turkey tonight anything is possible so oh. are you ready let's do are this you, thing let's do it before uh the uh, bird does its evil work on me uh the first song from this week you'll remember this one but this is a completely different take by real big fish Take on me. Do you remember when this came out, Brad? Do you remember seeing the movie Basketball? 
I do, but I didn't. I didn't remember this was in it. Oh yeah, yeah. So, 1998 rolls around. I'm still stuck in the 90s at that point. For God's sake, Chucky, drag yourself into the 90s. But basketball comes out, and we are all introduced, or I was anyway, to a band called Real Big Fish, and they're a ska band from Orange County, California. That um, over the course of their career did a lot of fun little covers of <laughs> songs you would not have thought could be done in a ska fashion. So, if you look at their catalog, you will hear songs like Another Day in Paradise by Phil Collins, Talking About a Revolution by Tracy Chapman. In 2009, they did a whole album of covers, including tunes by Poison, Slade, The Eagles, Tom Petty, and more. The band sadly largely disbanded now i think they have one oh, of their no. original members so if you're well hoping- every, everybody can say they're you know can you tour as one of the original members of real big fish i don't know yeah i think maybe you if you're the could. whole horn line there's probably about two dozen 80s bands out there who are touring with one original member so that's a good point it's a good point so the, anyway, um, I-, <laughs> I like this i think this is really fun this the version yeah. is it's got energy and i think scott you kind of was thinking about this because you know why analyze when you can overanalyze but i was thinking about how like a ska band you kind of have license to do whatever like anything you could lay down a horn line over you could do a ska cover of and you could probably make it work yeah they're a fun band i would love to have seen them perform sometime i'm sure someone out there has a story about seeing them live I, i i don't i'm picturing the big orange county you know real big fish untouchable ska band throwdown okay you keep picturing that. That would have been awesome. I would have gone to that concert. I don't think I've even seen a ska band except for when English Beat was on the 80s cruise. That's it. And, you know, start at the top. Yeah. What do you got this week, Brad? I'm going to give you an interesting take on U2's Pride in the Name of Love. interesting i don't know if it's crazy but it's interesting i like it i think it's a real palate cleanser after some of the garbage that we got sent uh, i'm looking at you dave dirt <laughs> it's not my... no the, the christmas song by the fighting urukai oh my lord my ears still haven't recovered anyway back on course this is released by i'm gonna butcher this guy's name clavelli's 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 and cole who the heck are these guys who are those guys Robert Clavelli's and David Cole were producers. They were shucking and jiving. They were working all over the place, but they released this as a 12-inch single in 1991. But they did a lot of work with Mariah Carey, Natalie Cole. They produced some stuff for Whitney Houston in the early 90s. They did some stuff with Taylor Dane. But you probably know them best, Steve, for their work on CNC Music Factory. Actually, that's it's funny you mentioned that because when you Google this song, when you look for the song online, you see it credited either as CNC Music Factory or I can't say yeah, the first see? name. It sounds like an anatomical part of a lady. I just can't. Cleveles, Cleveles. Either that I, or a really obscure percussion instrument. My Cleveles is really swollen, Doctor. Can you please take a look at it? With relish. It's a little tangled because they did a lot of, like I said, they did a lot of production. They also did kind of form CNC Music Factory, but it's not really clear to me how much performing they did on it, whether they were just producing. But they started out as DJs, and they just they built all kinds of groups for all kinds of different things. They had a band in the 80s they put together called Seduction, which started out as a studio project. They had a bunch of dance <laughs> hits. But they also did Stop Laughing. They also did just like one-off groups if somebody needed a song for a movie soundtrack, uh, things like that. They have a, a song that they produced on The Bodyguard, uh, the soundtrack for Sister Act 2, which is everyone's favorite sequel. Yeah. Uh, stuff like that. Honestly, I really like this cover. This is one of those things where you're like, wait a minute, a, a dance remix of Pride in the Name of Love? Like, is that even, is that appropriate? It kind of works. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, 
we've all seen remakes of U2 songs. Uh, Pet Shop Boys did an amazing one of Where the Streets oh, Have No Name. Adore that. So, I adore that. Yeah. Hey, Pet Shop Boys pretty much make a living out of doing cover songs, but doing them as a dance remix. So, Is, is there an 80s band that's kept it more fresh than the Pet Shop Boys? <laughs> it depends on how, what you mean by fresh. I mean, I just I think mean, they, they keep doing interesting work. I, I mean, they I, do. I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I think they do have kept doing interesting things. You, you know, it's funny. Somebody asked me during a Facebook live chat that we had last week, and they're like, what band did you not appreciate in the 80s that you've come around to since you started doing the podcast? And I, it took me a few minutes to, th- to think about it. And the first band name I spit out was Iron Maiden. And... Only because I really love that documentary movie, okay, uh, Flight Six Six Six. But a better answer would have been Pet Shop Boys, because I don't think I started listening to them until after the podcast started, and then I became really huge fan. Yeah. Oh wow. I, I never thought of them as anything. I just I, I never liked the song West End Girls. I just thought it was real plodding and monotonous. But there's there's so much more to it there, man. Yeah, there is. You need to broaden your horizons. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, those are my answers, and I'm sticking to them. No, it's a good answer. Where did we answer this question? I guess it was on the thing we did for the 80s cruise for the 15th anniversary. Like, what yeah. do you find? Would you listen to the same stuff? And I'm like, you know, you kind of define yourself by what you listen to in the 80s. And in the ensuing years, I think I know my tastes have broadened. Oh, yeah, and, for and sure. It's like yours have too. Um, yeah, I mean, to the point where I even listen to, well, you have to, if you live in Orlando, have a certain appreciation of uh, Spanish language music to some degree, because it's, it's everywhere. And my fiance is very much into Ricky Martin. And I think of Ricky Martin yeah. as the guy from Menudo. So sure. <laughs> but, I mean, I, um, we still have our favorites. Don't get me wrong. I still have, yes, I have a red and a blue energy dome. I still listen to a lot of Devo, but I'm not as quick to reach for the dial when something that wasn't necessarily in my wheelhouse comes on. Yeah. I, I don't know I don't know if um, if country music always stays on the dial when it comes on. There's no dial. Okay, fair. Let me make that That's clear, fair. too. I don't, you know what I don't I'm talking to regular about, radio Grandpa. <laughs> I don't listen to You know to what I mean. It's funny, hey, you know, I, I don't think I even told you this, but you know what I said at the beginning of the show that this podcast is going to go into left field now and again? This is going to be one of those moments. Remember how I'm always jabbering on about wanting to get a turntable? You've mentioned it once. Guess what I bought with my birthday money? You did not. I mentioned it a lot of times. I probably edited it out. I bought a stereo system that has a turntable, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it here on my desk in my home office. I'm looking right now at the spot where I'm going to put it, and You're gonna it has a turntable. for us on the podcast? It's gonna, it has it has a turntable. It has uh, twin cassette players. It has. It's gonna be fun. I think. It's I hope the you enjoy your birthday present. That's awesome. I think it's the whiskey kicking in. Uh, but anyway, do you have any more crazy covers for us, or are we just gonna sit here do, and talk about my? I do. <laughs> we could talk about your turntable. We could also talk about uh, bands that maybe weren't on your radar or weren't weren't on your list in the 80s and this is one of them i want you to listen to this version of borderline the hell did that song that is flaming lips featuring stardeath and white dwarfs which is like oh my gosh what so flaming lips you've probably heard of them maybe uh, uh. they're probably I'm, just, I'm, I'm real i'm real solid on my facts here they're probably oklahoma's favorite rockers i mean they're on the list if they're not if they're not the top of the list they're on the list but the featuring Stardeath and the White Dwarfs, what the is that about? Well, they're an even more experimental rock band than Flaming Lips. They're also from Norman, Oklahoma, and the lead singer happens to be the nephew of the Flaming Lips lead singer, Wayne Coyne. 
So, so that's the connection there. So they did this. They did this version of the song for a 2009 Warner Brothers release with their quote new artists covering some of the label's past hits. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Huh. So you got time for a quick quiz, Steve? Yeah, yeah, always. Which of these bands is from Oklahoma? Color Me Bad, All American Rejects, Gap Band, or Hanson? I'm 99% sure it's Hanson. Trick question. They're all from Oklahoma. Oh, son of a bitch. That was my next thing. It just seems there's some randomness to it. I didn't realize the Gap Band was from Oklahoma. They're from Tulsa. Uh, wow! And any of you, any of you stuck in the eighties people, you know I bag on the nineties all the time. But anybody who wants to fight me about Hanson's Mbop being the perfect pop song, hit me up in the messages because it is the perfect pop song. If I could reach through the microphone and strangle you right now, I would. Bring it on, turntable boy. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about the song for a minute. I really like this. I am not a Madonna fan. I understand she is important. I don't think I dislike her quite as much as Steve does. But this just has this... It's so laid back. Oh, it's fantastic. Slow, slow groove to it. And it's not the same slowness as that Footloose cover we had last time where, like, you're dying. Yeah, people didn't like, like that a, at all. a slow version where you're just, like, you're just taking your time, man. We're getting there. The chorus is coming. Just, just sit back and relax. We'll get there, man. It's going to be great. We'll go together. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. You're really into the chillness this week. I don't know what this is all about. Uh, it's because my life is so non-chill right now. Ugh. I know. We should just post the uh, transcripts of our texting back and forth every given day. <laughs> that would terrify people. Yeah. I think I worked... How long did I stay at my desk chair today? From about 7.30 till about 8.25. So, Yeah. Yep, we're recording this show, and then as soon as we get done with this, I have to get off and answer some more emails and send a few things to the client. And, you know, yeah. Sorry, I'm not sorry. to bring you guys better. down, Eighties Nation. It's it's we're okay. Get- you know, this is how I keep this is how I keep a roof over my head and groceries in the refrigerator. So it's not the end of the world. <laughs> we're staying alive. That's all we need to say. <gasps> oh, Speaking of which, I see what you did there. Here's our next song. Right now you're wondering, what is Steve's mailing address, and uh, what are the chances <laughs> that a mail bomb would be caught or detected before he opens it? I'm not giving you the mailing address. Ozzy Osbourne and Dweezil Zappa recorded this, and it was recorded for what reasons we don't know. I can only assume Ozzy was doing an insane amount of drugs at the time. and Somebody lost a bet. Yeah, and Dweezil's just the kind of guy who's just like, if someone's doing something stupid, I want a part of it, and yeah, I don't mean that. I'm up for it. <laughs> Call me. I, I, I don't. I don't mean anything negative. I mean, I think Dweezil's app is great, but I'm just saying this has his fingerprints all over it. Anyway, it was recorded. Ozzy's record company not so entirely happy about it. <laughs> So it wasn't huh. originally released when it was supposed to be released. It ended up being released, I guess, on a four CD set, you know, much later than Bland. But in case you're wondering, and I know you're not, the original song is kind of interesting. Staying Alive, the original song was written by the Bee Gees, as we all know from our homework. Uh, probably from one of the first motion picture soundtracks that any of us owned. If it, was, if it wasn't Staying Alive, it was Grease. Oh, my gosh. I think. Octuple Platinum. Yeah. And it was a number one hit. I think it's currently number 189 on the list of 500 greatest songs of all time by Rolling Stone. Huh. Which is, you know, okay, it's interesting. You, you know, you're in the you're in the building. Yeah, you're. Yeah, as long as you've got a key to the building, you're you're in good shape. AFI, the American Film Institute in 2004 did a ranking of 100 years 100 songs, the top tunes in American cinema. 
and staying alive ranked. Are you ready for it? Number nine. <gasps> Whoa, top ten. Yeah. I like that. Good job. I think Bee-Gees. that's fair. I have to say, so I listened to this version, and I think if you had never heard the Bee Gees version, which is probably kind of hard to imagine that that's true, but if you hadn't heard it, you'd just think, eh, this is a kind of an interesting rocker. You know, this, it wouldn't even stand out, I don't think, because I think, I think Ozzy did such an Ozzy job on it. It doesn't... <laughs> I mean, the the strangeness is that's jarring from the original version, but it's not, if you were able to listen to it on its own, I don't think it's that offensive or oh, weird. That's fair. That's fair. That's the hard part. And I think that's the beauty of this series of shows is that you're not hearing these songs for the first time um, in their, the, yeah, the version you we're context. giving you. You're, yeah. Yeah. This is the 10,000th time you've heard this song, but it's the first time by <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne. And, right. and, and his little Robin sidekick, Dweezil Zappa. <laughs> One day, Dweezil Zappa's going to be on the show, and he's going to be like, I have a printout of all the negative things you said about me in episode 564. And I'm like, sorry. Oh, well, this show is over. Flip the table. <laughs> in the early days of Stuck in the 80s, we used to have this tradition where while we were waiting for a interviewer or <laughs> for a celebrity to call us, you know, for an interview that we had mm-hmm. been prearranged, uh, me right. and my co-host at the time would pass the time because those calls never come in as scheduled. They're always like twenty right. or thirty minutes late. They have to show you how important they are by not being on time. Right, my so time is be... way more valuable than your time. <laughs> um, and <it> still <coughs> bullshit. <happens> to... <laughs> yeah, but we would we would kill the time by coming up with what question could we ask that would immediately make the other person hang up the phone. <laughs> I have no idea what that has to do with Dweezil Zappa other than he has got plenty of reasons to hang up on the phone for me. And I love his dad tremendously. Um, Joe's Garage was one of the very first uh, albums I ever owned when I was in college. So does that get me off the hook? I, I don't know. Can I finally turn the show back over to you? The qualifier, first albums that I owned in college, makes it sound like you burned all your records when you moved out for college. Uh, Maybe you did. Well, I don't know. Disco Demolition well, 2, Spearsy's Backyard. Yeah, there's there's a certain amount of truth to that. I think when you go to college, you there's that pressure your that music, you have to listen to the right music. Your musical tastes take a jump. Yeah, there's something to that. Speaking of listening to the right music, Steve, I think it's time. Well, no, sir. Did you have something to say? No, I have nothing else to say. Please, okay. please save me by talking about our final crazy cover of the 80s. Okay. Well, speaking of listening to the right kind of music, Steve, I think this is the wrong kind of music for you to be listening to. Check out this version of Ohio. King soldiers and Nixon's coming. We're finally on our own. This summer I hid the Grumman for dead in Ohio. Oh, yes. Give me three guesses to come up with the name of the band. Ready? Okay. Devo. Uh-huh. This is Devo's cover of the Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young song, Ohio, which was written by Neil Young in 1970. And, yeah, it's about the Kent State shootings. I'm a little surprised that I was – actually, I was very surprised that Devo covered this because Jerry Casale and Mark Mothersbaugh were both students at Kent State during the shootings. Jerry Casale was there when the shootings happened and has spoken at some length. There have been quite a few interviews this year. It was a big anniversary of that event. He's spoken some length about being at the protest and seeing friends die. Like there yeah. weren't – I mean, look, one person dying is too many. There weren't that many people who died, and I, I, it kind of surprised me that he personally knew one of them. Anyway, so I was I was surprised they covered this. That's kind of why I picked it. The Devo part didn't hurt, let's be honest. But uh, this is from an album that we pulled another cover from for our first show called When Pigs Fly. So, yeah, we're in, we're in the anniversary year of the Kent State shootings, and I know I've read a lot of – lot of articles about it you know um yeah oral histories and and i did read one by jerry and i i was i was shocked like you were to, to hear that he knew the the people but i it wasn't probably the i don't think it was the biggest 
school in the world then so like you know i guess there's a chance that he would have he would have known the people that's a good point i I would think in some parts of his mind he would say you know leave this one alone like does it does it sort of trivialize the event by by doing a devo version of it jerry and mark were kind of accused neil young of trying to you know kind of benefit from the event with this song because it was a big Uh, song for csny but I, I think they talked to Neil Young. They did a fair bit of work with Neil Young early in their career, and they must have straightened it all out because they did do this cover. I, I can't imagine. I, how many people did I see die in college? Just one, but um, I didn't really? write a song about it. Yeah. Some Someone Damn. was stabbed to death in the front yard of our fraternity house. <gasps> You're kidding he, me. When I was, it, was, it must have been my sophomore year. We were in the fraternity Holy house and someone crap. knocked on the door, which was not unusual then. And we opened it up. There's this guy who was just bleeding out. And he came in. I thought I told this story. Maybe I didn't. He I've came never in. heard this story. My eyes are as big as dinner plates right now. So he came in and he's bleeding from the gut. And so someone calls 911. We weren't that far from the hospital. He's trying to tell us what happened. I go out to try to, you know, flag down the ambulance yeah. when it shows up. I remember he pretty much collapsed and and on the the chair, like the ceremonial chair where the chapter president would always sit for fraternity <laughs> meetings. And I mean it wasn't like it's like this cer- it wasn't like brought back from right. ancient England right. or anything. It, it was just it was just a nice antique chair we bought it up. Hewn from the bones of the brothers. Yeah. But he, I think, I, I don't know if he was dead before the paramedics got there, but he died right there in our living room, and oh it was a small gosh. fraternity house. And when I mean small, I mean there was three of us who lived there. You know, they carted him out. We had a, the chair was all co- covered with police tape. The entire house was surrounded by police tape, and That's everybody crazy. went home. And me and my two roommates basically just said, "Well, I guess we have to go to bed." And we slept there that night. Yeah. And I don't oh, know where why you're going to go. That. Well, that was my thinking. It's like, what, what am I going to, you know, like nobody said, suggested it was a bad idea. Now, by the end of the night, did my other two, did the other two housemates come in and sleep on the floor of my room? Yes. <laughs> but we were probably <laughs> in the safest house in Gainesville at that point. We're the only house surrounded by police tape. I, I wouldn't have come within a mile of us. But I still have that clipping cr- uh, from the newspaper That's about, wild. about it happening. So. They found out. I mean, I don't think they ever caught the guy, but he, he, there was some sort of like robbery gone wrong, or you know, drug deal oh, gone geez. wrong, or something. But anyway, wow. Okay, guys, sorry I took us down a dark cul-de-sac there. <laughs> it happens. You know, there's only one way to get out of those. The seggies. Ah, the very relieving tone. Very relieving tone of listener mailbag. <sighs> I'm sorry. I didn't know we were going to go that way tonight. It wasn't my plan to... I, I didn't know that story was there, so I can't even I can't even tell you where not to go. I, I've seen three people die unexpectedly right in front of me. One of them, from that was one. One of my softball teammates died right in front of me. And then uh, a, di- a guy died when we were scuba diving. So probably best not to take Damn, up sports Damn, I'm not with going me. anywhere with you. <laughs> We'll save those stories for the day. In the meantime, everyone's already turned off the podcast. So for like the three people, boy, they're all crying. They were two more friends of mine, two more friends that died. We have two letters this week, and the first one is from Timmy Williams. So, uh, Brad, Steve, can I read this one? Yes, please. Why mop up over here? Excellent. No pun intended or anything. Okay, Timmy writes, Congrats to all that have been a part of Stuck in the 80s. Dang nabbit, I know I've had the honor of making Spearsy cry, but you made me shed tears not once but twice on the anniversary podcast. The first was playing the Howard Jones song, Soon You'll Go. My daughter will be going to Syracuse next month, and I have tears typing this sentence, thinking about my this song and my daughter. Damn you, Spearsy! I feel your pain, Timmy. <laughs> I do feel your pain. It's a weird, weird moment. You'll get through this. We'll do it together. 80s Nation will drag you through this kicking and screaming. Anyway, back to the show. 
The second time I cried was at the end with Sticks Don't Let It End. I played this over and over and over with the breakup of my girlfriend back in the 80s. Yes, the one that was involved in the first Stuck in the 80s Time Machine story. I end this email with tears in my eyes to say, I love you guys, and I really hope you have another 15 years. Forever Stuck in the 80s, Timmy Williams, Camp Crystal Lake, Illinois. Aww. Wow. Damn. Well, if you play Soon yeah. You'll Go, it's, right now it's all over. <laughs> yeah, that's... That's a tough song. I mean, who knew that that would be like a, such an important song in Stuck in the 80s history? Uh, we had another letter from, I don't, <clears throat> I'm pretty sure this is not his real name, but in Canada, you never know. Max Headlong. Oh. Hmm. Is he t- 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 talking to himself? Yeah. Brad, help me out here. Max, Max, Max. What I want to know is why are the only funny lines on this show the ones behind me? Okay. I'll read this. Not in Max Headroom style, because that would get old for everyone. Dear Stephen Brad, I'm writing to you for the first time as a massive Stuck in the 80s fan. I originally stumbled across your podcast in late 2019. As someone who grew up in the 1980s, grade 7 to my senior year in university, the 80s were my penultimate formative years. I think they are probably your ultimate formative years, unless you had more formative years later. But now I'm just nitpicking on words, which is the thing I like to do. But we'll get back to the letter. As someone who wanted to respect the origin and evolution of something potentially great, what do you mean potentially great? I started with the very first podcast. In the last eight months, I have now caught up to episode 215. He's got a lot to go. As I listened to the podcast, the topic of songs, movies, singers, actors, etc., I was compelled to listen more. The first few podcasts were somewhat dry, but highly informative. As I progressed farther along, much like many great TV shows, the chemistry between the various co-hosts just kept growing. I cannot express in words how much this podcast has meant to me. It has allowed me to revisit the years that had the biggest impact of my life. Listening to you discuss great movies, TV shows, singers, and bands reinforced why the 80s were the greatest decade. The incredible interviews with many artists... Minus Tom Wopat and Cindy Lauper, gave me new insights as to the driving force behind songs, movies, and shows. My friends who also grew up in the 80s have now started to listen to the podcast as well, and we now discuss some of what we loved about the 80s in greater depth. These are undeniably the greatest years of my life. Uh, except the ones married to my wife. Yep, let me get that in there. Please keep up the amazing podcast. My life would be tragically boring without them. Arguably your biggest Canadian fan, Max Headlong in Calgary, Canada. P.S. He adds, I won't say I'm stuck in the 80s because I am not. I choose to remain there. That's okay. that's, that's cool. intense. I like that. It is. It is. It's good. I, I hope he doesn't drop us when he gets to episode 275. That's all I'm saying. What happens in 275? Uh, that's right before I join the show. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, if he's, if, no, I mean, that, that last year. Presumably he's listening to the fresh ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's great to see that uh, our Canadian listenership is starting to pick up again. In the early years, we used to get a lot of emails from Canada, but it seems to have picked up again. I, I, I'm glad to see that. Canadian music. Oh, my God, I didn't tell you this, by the way. <laughs> Boo, Steve darts out Another cul-de-sac. <laughs> so I'm cleaning get up. Get back here, Spearsy. We got a show to record. <laughs> so I'm cleaning up the uh, closet in my home office, you know, and. You got to make room for all that vinyl. Yeah. I'm not going to buy a lot of vinyl. I just thought if I'm going to buy a stereo system, I might as well have one that has a turntable. Is that is that so I'm, wrong? I'm rolling my eyes at you so hard they're clicking. I know. In the back I can of my feel. Head. I feel like spinning. Anyway, point being, I came across all these boxes that I haven't opened in years. Uh, okay. And one of them had all these things that people had sent to stuck in the '80s over the last oh, 15 wow. years. So, and I'm staring at him right now. One of them is Dave Featherston sent me a CD. It's probably at least 12 years ago of all these songs that were huge in Australia in the 80s, but not really outside of Australia. And all these bands, for the most part, that we never heard of. We've talked about I've heard tell of this CD. Yeah. But it went missing. You found the CD. That's cool. Found it. Found it. And then I also found the CD from my friend in Russia who sent me a CD of all these songs that were huge during in the Soviet Union in the 80s. I found that. I found... Dog comrade. Um, my friend Carla sent me a bunch of Billy Squire uh, CDs that she burned for me, which is nice. And I also found uh, my Journey 
concert shirt from 1981. I found a Live Aid program Ooh. that somebody sent me. I found a deck of ET uh, trading cards. So, Man. Uh, yeah. It's been uh, a very fruitful last two weeks. Since Sounds we- like a bo- hell of a box. <laughs> yeah. There's a shirt from Guantanamo Bay signed by all the members of Night Ranger. I have wow. that. What else do I have? You got any uh, uh, Funyuns in there? <laughs> no. I'm sure those of all all those Funyuns that you sent us are long gone. Either Sean ate them or we sent them out. They've turned I, to dust. I'd say it's yeah. 50-50 on that. So. Anyway, as always, we love your emails and we love your swag when you send it to us. I mean, the old days, it used to happen all the time. and These days, let us send you swag. We... We, we owe it to yeah. you. <laughs> but we love your emails. Send them to podcast at sit80s.com. Ah, the refreshing newness of I Want My Mystery TV mm. theme song. That doesn't feel right. It's so wrong and light. It's like it's like a wine spritzer of Seggies. Have you ever had a wine spritzer? Sure. What is a wine spritzer? Seven up in white wine. Is that what it is? Yeah. So it's like it's a wine cooler. Essentially, yes. A home home rolled wine cooler. Okay. I mean, when was the last time you had one? Was it recently? Oh, probably twenty five years. <laughs> okay. I'm just I certainly would never order one of those. You know, that's just not gonna happen. Can I can I say that I make them at home? I didn't realize that's, that's here's what I make. I don't know if fine. I told this sure. on the show. We we um Man, we're getting all kinds of news stories this week. <laughs> the fiance will be here next week, by the way. And um one of the things we discovered was the only wine that I drink is like well, I drink two. I drink um Sauvignon Blanc and I like Lovely. a sweet like a, a red mix, like a sweet red, you know, blend. Okay. Mm-hmm. But but what I do is I take the red blend and I pour like three quarters of a glass of that and then i top it off with like this mango orange seltzer water thing in a jig um like a lacroix skinny little bottles you'll you'd know them if you saw huh. them okay so i mix it and then put you know put huh. some ice on top and it becomes like this sort of like sparkling sangria does your mouth ever get angry with you for putting those things in it but I used to eat chili dogs for breakfast. Do you think my mouth cares about red wine and mango orange seltzer? You know, live and let live. Drink what you like. That sounds kind of uh, interesting. No, it's good. I mean, next time okay, we're in like good. a non-maritime situation, I'll, I'll make you one. You can tell me what you think. Delightful. I look forward to that. When are we yeah. going to have the podcast retreat where we go away and record like 12 podcasts in four days? Right. And we kill each other at the end of it because no. we're so sick of each other. <laughs> we only we only eat what we shoot in the woods, except for the fact we didn't bring guns. We're going to so. starve. I think at some point here we were doing a seggy, so I'll try to pick it up. Thank God we have show notes. In the old days, we just wrote things down on pieces of paper. Last time we had this seggy, which was probably a month ago, here was the mystery clip. That's head of the class. Head of the class. Brad picked this one. I remember this show. This is actually a show we both watched. Yeah, I thought more people would get this. Uh, no, I never saw a single second of really? it. Really? It was good. This was actually a good I'm- show. Very sad. No, not a sad show. Have, Very sad. You don't remember it. Sad. To say. It's oh, not a okay. Sad show. I do remember. I do remember Dan Schneider. Yes, he was fantastic in this. He, uh, I actually, um, there's a kind of a famous chili place in Burbank that's like been open since like the 1920s or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, and it's like a crazy place. Horseshoe counter, no tables. You just sit at the counter and uh, cash only, and they close for like three months in the summer. Any restaurant that can close for three months out of the year and still make money, they're doing something right. But yeah. one time I was there with some of my coworkers, and across the horseshoe on the other side is Dan Schneider, and he that man was putting it away. Like, he ate a <laughs> salad bowl size of chili. Oh, my I'm God. I'm just like, where is that going? It was amazing. It was one of those, I uh, couldn't quite place it. Is that Ricky from Better Off Dead, or is it? Wait, it is Ricky from Better Off Dead. Anyway. Yeah. If you're going to be in a restaurant that closes for three months in the summer, it might as well be a chili restaurant. So, yeah, I mean, so, all they serve is chili. Do you want it on 
beans or do you want it on pasta or do you just want it in a bowl? You know, there weren't a lot of I, options. I never understood the whole pasta thing, but that's. I know. I know. Beans medium, obviously. Yeah. It's anyway. Not, anyway. So, <laughs> Read some winners before I keep I, going on and on I, about this. Before you feel hungry and then you can go make one of your weird sangria drinks. Winners this week include <laughs> Joseph Perdue, our Montreal correspondent, Peter Ryan, Brian Pond, Giovanni from London, Alan Titus, Russ Nielsen, Eric Celine, Matt D in Oregon, and Dave De La Dirt. He must be really having a hellish summer. I know he loves the Cardinals, and I think it seems like all their games keep getting canceled because of COVID. Yeah, it's so, not good. Not good. Now's not a good time to be a baseball fan. Uh, anyway, let's spin the wheel. Let's find out who wins some swaggerino. Here we go. We're going right to left this time. Ooh. You know, t- as we record this, today is actually a left-hander day of the year or Whatever they call those things. Is it? Oh. Huh. My mom is left-handed. I'll have my, to be extra nice to my long-suffering wife. Oh, so, She's so left-handed, scary. too? Weird. Oh, wow. That's weird. Yeah. So when you guys sit next to each other in a booth, when you're eating together, does she sit to your left, then? Absolutely. Yeah, because otherwise yeah, you'd be... Yeah, it's something that... Yeah, you're bumping elbows. It's something right. you become very attuned to when you spend a lot of time with a left-hander. It's one of those things you never thought about, and then suddenly yep. it's like, oh, that's an easy thing for me to accommodate. Yeah, I had just I had a very long conversation about that this morning. <laughs> so, and now we've had another very short conversation about it. Now, uh, in the meantime, the wheel has come to an end, and it landed on uh, Russ Nielsen. So, Russ, send us your postal address, as we like to call it, and uh, some swag will be on your way. Meanwhile, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. If you know it, Brad, help me out. Email us at podcast at sit80s.com. And tune in next time to find out if you are a wiener. And we'll be right back after this commercial break. <laughs> I don't want a sandwich. No, you're just trying. No cold or boring lunches for me. Give me something yummy and satisfying. Something good from Shaboyardi. Looking for some hot stuff. Beef ravioli. Cut tape, good stuff. Beef pepperoni. Lots of good wholesome ingredients in that Chef Boyardi. And it's hot stuff. Gotta have some good stuff. Hot stuff for Chef Boyardi. I want hot stuff. And we're back. Steve's class is almost empty, so the show has to end soon. He has no more stories about dead people. I've only got another half inch of tape on the reel here. Yeah, I know. It's, we're running out of time and uh, energy. We do have a PPTMN this week, so let's cue the old, uh, the old theme song. Please, please tell me now. Please, please tell me now. Ah, this week's uh, PPTMN comes from Dag Shield. Oh, I love Dag. Dag Shield, a name from out of the very archives of which we spoke earlier. Way, way back in... Stuck in his history, we sent him bags of Funyuns, and I'm going to leave the story right there. New listeners, <laughs> actually, when we say that, we mean bags of Funyuns. That's not a euphemism. Bags with Funyuns in them. Yeah. We used to give them away yeah. because that was our favorite snack, and so Brad sent us a case of Funyuns, little tiny bags, and then I yeah, whined like about bags. not yeah. having any way to send them, and so what did Brad do? He sent me a box of boxes. <laughs> Me and my co-host would sign them and send them off to Seggy winners back in the day. Back in the day when I worked at a place where they would just basically say, oh, whatever you put in the mail slot, we'll, we'll just mail it for free. No questions asked. We'll mail asked. it. Yeah. Those days are sadly gone. But, um, no kidding. I got a stack of stamps right here on my desk to mail out swag, which I'm, of course, happy to do. <laughs> but Dag and his future wife got a bag, and those were fun times indeed. Anyway, you want to read the letter or read the question? That's so be it. I'm on a roll here, Steve. Let me read it. Dag writes, Stephen Brad, it was the summer of 1984. I was 14 with a group of my high school friends at Great America in the San Francisco Bay Area. We were there to see Oingo Boingo with Wang Chung opening. Oh, take me back, time machine. Take me back. I want to go to that show. This would be my second ever concert. My first was a few months before this, Duran Duran at the Oakland Coliseum. That show was filmed for the arena concert movie. I remember standing in line for hours with thousands of other teenagers, ready to push and shove to get the best spots on the open general admission floor. Boy, those days. 
That was when waiting in line was fun. Part of the whole concert experience. No, Dag. That was back when waiting in line was part of what we convinced ourselves was fun. Now you know it's fun? Slowly walking carefully to our chosen comfortable seat, sitting down with our drink and enjoying it while the music <laughs> plays. <laughs> We're old. Is that wrong? <laughs> yes, okay. Maybe that was fun. I'm sorry, Dag. This day, there were two Oingo Boingo shows, one in the afternoon and one in the evening. We were there for the afternoon show. We expected to spend at least an hour waiting in line, but apparently everyone else was going to the later show because every time we checked the gates, there wasn't anyone waiting. So instead of standing in line, we spent most of the day in the park. Lucky for us, so did Oingo Boingo. I met Steve Bartek and he signed my ticket. There were too many people around Vatos asking for autographs, but we did corner the bassist and he reluctantly signed our tickets. <laughs> These were the first celebrities I had ever met, which was an amazing experience. I didn't meet Elfman, but one of my friends played bumper cars with him. Oh my nice. gosh. Can you imagine? No. Maybe 100 people attended the afternoon show. It was a small outdoor venue with no seating, just an open area in front of the stage. I took a few photos of both bands. I'm kind of picturing the Spinal Tap puppet, puppet. show. Spinal yeah, Tap. Yeah. yeah. I'd still have the signatures and the photos. They remind me of the magic of that time. The freedom of a day with your friends at an amusement park. Meeting the band before the show. Wandering among the other fans. Slam dancing to who do you want to be today. And generally being stupid without parental oversight. Oh, talk to me, brother. I would go on to see Oingo Boingo several more times over the years, but always at larger theaters and always seated. I appreciate seating now, see, see, tag. But back then it added a formality and structure that smothered some of the magic. Oh, no, you bring the magic now. It's in a glass. My collection of <laughs> 80s artifacts has thinned out over the decades. <laughs> Don't die, Spearsy. <sighs> My collection of 80s artifacts has thinned out over the decades with a purge accompanying each move. The rule I have is if I've forgotten the context, then I no longer need it. Yeah, it's a good rule. I've held on to the signatures and the photos. 36 years later, they still resonate with the excitement and energy of that brief part of our lives. Till death do us part. So, please, please tell me now. What memorabilia have you kept over the decades that still have strong emotional ties to the 80s? I'd like to see some of your photos and keepsakes posted online. And the same goes for other listeners. Dag in Portland. Okay, I'll go first. 1985, I went to see Frankie Goes to Hollywood at the Tampa... Highlight Fronton. Does everyone know what a Highlight Fronton is? I've Brad? heard of Highlight. It's the it's like the Tron game with the ball, except it's in real life. It's like a, yeah, yeah, it's like a thing. It's a it's a, a Latin sport basically. You wear a, uh, I think it's called a Cuesta basket on your hand, and you have a ball and you hey. bet on it, but nobody actually understands the rules. So it also made for a nice. <laughs> so it's a fun outing. Right, yeah. I don't know. How. So back in the 80s, it was also a good, like, small concert venue for bands that were maybe coming on their first or second, first tour. Like, Billy Idol played there. I remember that, too. Okay. So I, I don't know. It maybe holds 500 people. And Oh, wow. They came there, final semester of high school. And I, I have photos. It was general admission. We were the first ones in the door. We were, like, in the second row. Close enough that the band could see me as I'm singing the words along with them, and, and, and you could see the fear in their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be like, okay, that's the guy we got to watch out for. Yeah, yeah. I remember buying a T-shirt, which, you know, Sid's long gone. But the one thing I still have is the bandana. I have a Frankie Goes to Hollywood bandana. It used to be white with, with black decorative designs on it. Now it's more of like a yeah. yellow <laughs> But um, well, you know. But I, I still have it. It's it's probably the oldest piece of memorabilia I have. So and I'll never get rid of it. You can throw it in the grave with me. What about you, Brad? It's not a concert thing, but I do have. Here we go. You're going to be surprised. I do have a Devo poster that I got signed by most of the band. In I think it was, it was either '88 or early '89. Devo was had released an album and was doing some in-stores. And so they had done, they were doing an in-store appearance in Westwood. And I brought my copy of, you know, the Devo poster I'm talking about. It's the one that Damone has on his wall in fast times. Yeah. It's the five yeah, yeah. guys and energy domes with the red kind of tape. I, I've seen, I've seen photos of it. It's the banner on my Twitter account, but uh, the only, is it a regret? Maybe a slight regret is that at that point, Alan had left the band and David Kendrick was the drummer 
And so he signed, everyone else signed their name. And all David did was draw a skull and crossbones on Alan's arm as a tattoo. Yes, I think David Kendrick killed Alan because he was the first member of the band to die. Wow, I know. Well, we're talking dark. So anyway, I still have that poster. It's it's one of those things where like every place we moved to, I would pin it up on the wall. So the corners are completely shot to hell. But uh, the poster looks good. The signatures are still there. I've My intention, maybe I'll do this for his graduation because my son is also a Devo fan. My intention is to mount it on some foam core and give it to him. I think he'll put it up. He'll like actually display it. And I think, I think oh, that's really he will nice. enjoy having it. So. That's kind of my plan. So I won't keep it. It's still, it will always be with me in my heart, but I might pass it on to the next generation. Oh, I know really we've sweet. talked about this on the show because I found a video of that someone had posted on YouTube of that in-store, and I found myself in the video. You don't see my face ever, but you see like oh, the side geez. of me in the back of my head, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's me. Whoa. That's crazy. Hey, before we leave for the week, I also wanted to give a shout out to um, those of you who have joined our our Patreon page as as patrons of the podcast. We, you know, we we, we switched to this model this year, and really super humbled by the reaction that we've gotten so far. And we had our first ever Zoom happy hour for for patrons only this last weekend, and it was it was a lot of fun. We really. <laughs> We really covered some interesting stories and, and told some interesting tales. But um, we had some new supporters this week. Yeah, this week, and uh, I know Brad wants to read their names because <laughs> I thought maybe you were going to read them. Here we go. I, I, I will. I, I'll read everyone Let except help for one <laughs> because I can't. No, I'm reading them. Okay. Here we go. Our new supporters this week: Anastasia in Colorado, Matt the Shirt Guy Regal, Russ from Newton, Kevin Weber, Alan Boisseau. Boy, Sue. Boy That's Sue. why I didn't want to Sorry, read the Alan. list. <laughs> help, help me out here, Alan. The thanks is, is there. The pronunciation may not be. Amy in Naperville. Jim Wendling. Charles in Vegas. Rick Parker. Victorian Big Bear. Anonymous Dave. Ken Mooch Milligan. Lou. Sweet Lou Grilly. Chase Squires. Paul Dansman. Mark Wilson. Lynn with three N's in Nebraska. Max Headlong. Christine in Philly. And OG Podcast Supporter. Carol Jansen. Wow, we really can't thank you enough. It, it's been a great year. Uh, the story of our anniversary has gotten picked up by the press. I've done a few interviews over the last two weeks. That's That's been <laughs> kind of surreal in itself. In the meantime, crazy covers. We're not done with them. We still have, we still have at least, I don't know how many it's suggestions a, left. It's a well we can return to over and over again. Right, exactly. And... But that doesn't mean we don't want you to keep sending them in. Keep sending them in because we keep getting surprised by these crazy-ass songs that we get. In the meantime, (laughs) Brad, myself, our patrons, we remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music, and thanks for listening.